If you have your Bible, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to ask you to consider and focus your attention on John 6 and verse 11. John chapter 6 and verse 11. All of us, I'm sure by now, are familiar with the story and the record of our Lord's miraculously feeding the 5,000. And some have said, and possibly true, that there were far more than 5,000. When you add the women and children, you may come up with a figure anywhere from 15 to 20,000 or more. And yet uh, the number uh, did not uh, stop our Lord, nor did it hinder his working power in providing for all the souls who were gathered there on that particular day. But now the Lord had said to uh, Philip, you remember, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And uh, the Lord said this to Philip to test him, for the scripture said, and wonderfully so, that Jesus knew himself what he would do. I'm glad he always knows, aren't you? Not only that, but Philip, when he answered him, said, and notice this. He said at verse 7, 200 penny worth of bread is not, underscore this word, sufficient for them. Well, it's just not enough. We could not possibly hope to feed this great multitude. And then there was the introduction of the little lad and the fish and the loaf of bread and the, and the bread. And now at verse 11, we find these words. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Could I add this thought? When our Lord gives into our hands something, be it talent, be it possession, be it time, we ought to distribute that that God has given to us. And more especially in the sense of the great gift of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it into our hands and you and I who have received and have been recipients of that gift of grace, we have responsibility to share that with those about us. And now watch this. And likewise uh, are the disciples, and the disciples then were set down. Now here's what I want to think about. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. And when I read that this morning and said one or two words about it, Boy, how am I, my heart just flared. I'll tell you, uh, just begin to light up. And I begin to think of how our Lord indeed gives more than enough. And that's what I want you to think about tonight. More than enough. Our God is not a stingy God. He doesn't just measure out just the exact thing or portion that we may need, but he gives in superabundance by reason of his great love and grace. He gives us far more than often we need. I'm looking at an audience of people tonight, and you and I have far more than we need. 
Most of the families here have at least access to a couple of cars, maybe more. And uh, we have certainly far in excess the food that we need. I know what we do. My wife throws out enough to feed a pack of hounds and then to go around some more. We did get her one of these little vacuum sealer things for Christmas. And uh, so we've tried to get things sealed up. And, uh, but when she seals them up, she never opens them. I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, far more and more than enough. Have you ever gone to somebody when you felt you had a need for something, maybe to borrow uh, some sugar or some salt or flour, and uh, that friend of yours begins to fill up your container, and instead of just giving you a cup that you ask for, they'll give you a whole container and then say, is that enough? And you respond, my, my, that's more than enough. More than enough. Now, Wednesday night coming this Wednesday, I want to just reverse my thoughts. And I want to talk to you about not enough. Not enough. But tonight, let's look at this matter of more than enough. You even look at nature itself, and you'll see uh, how that the Lord, even in nature, provides far more than enough. I read just recently about the cod fish, a very interesting uh, creature of the sea. The codfish, it is said, uh, and estimated uh, that the codfish will lay uh, up to nine million eggs, one fish. That's an unbelievable number. And yet the Lord has provided far more than enough, even in nature itself. And so here in this passage, I think you'll discover that indeed he provided more than enough. There was more left over and there was enough to fill 12 baskets full after everyone had eaten all that they would. I too thought about the fact that here the statement, they ate as much as they would. Now, if they could have held any more, they could have eaten more. You know, we have so many blessings of the Lord that have been provided for us, and the Lord is just saying, come to the table and eat. It's here for you. More than enough for you more than enough for your friends. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. My mom used to say, repeating the old commercial about Jello, there's always room for Jello, she'd say. And I never did particularly like that nervous jelly. I just never cared for that. It is too hard to corner and uh, keep on the spoon. It's just difficult. But anyway, uh, here the, there is far more than enough. And if they could have held more, there was sufficient for that. They partook of as much as they would. I thought of what our Lord said in comparison to that as he looked over the city of Jerusalem and the people who had rejected him and refused him. 
And he said, how often I would have gathered you unto myself, but you would not. It wasn't that Jerusalem and the inhabitants could not be saved. But it was the simple fact they refused to come. And I wonder how often we go lacking in life. How often we go defeated in our life as God's people. Because though the Lord has provided and made possible the victories that we need. Yet we will not partake of those things. And so then this passage reveals that there's more than enough. In the 10th chapter of this Gospel of John, you'll remember the words in the last part of verse 10 that says that our Lord has come to give us life and to give us life more abundant. Now we'll be looking at this word abundant because indeed it is a word that describes the thought of more than enough. In the Hebrew Old Testament, the word abundant comes from the word rab, spelled in English simply as it sounds, R-A-B, and it means enough. It also means exceedingly, very much. It means as well, plenteous or sufficient. So even in the Old Testament economy, the Lord again is seen supplying all that his people would need. In the New Testament language of the Greek speaker, the word is parisoma, and the word means to superabound, to superabound in quantity as well as quality. So what we're talking about here is going over, above, and beyond what is basically needed. Now let me ask you to think with me about this abundance the Lord has provided for us. Certainly the Bible talks about an abundant, more than enough grace. Abundant grace. In the scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Look at these two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and down at verse number 14. Paul is talking about this abundant grace. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 14. And thus the apostle says these wondrous words. But in verse knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Notice he talks about this abundant grace. That is, the grace that is to be more. Increasing ever grace. Superabounding grace. Abundant grace. Or the word means as well to have over. To go over and beyond. And that's what grace is. 
One scripture, one uh, uh, preacher has defined grace simply as the act of God going over and beyond what we think we need. I like that old definition of grace that says grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And God's riches are given to us because of the grace that our Lord Jesus made possible yonder on the cross of Calvary. While you're here in 2 Corinthians, let me ask you to turn to chapter 9 and looking at verse number 6. Again, Paul talks about this abundant, this over and beyond grace. Verse 6 of chapter 9, but this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The words bountifully, again referring to this abundance, the over and beyond. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He said simply, if you'll give abundantly, God will give in return abundantly. If you'll give over and beyond. And you know a lot of us as Christians, we're satisfied and we free our guilty conscience when we just simply say, well, I give the tithe. Well, in reality, you're not giving a tithe. It belongs to the Lord in the first place. If you want to give him anything, we give abundantly, you see. We give over and beyond. That's the reason the Old Testament prophet talked about tithe, tithes and offerings. So as we give over and abundantly, God will in turn give to us that grace that will abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency, there's the thought again, in all things may abound to every good work. So there's the abundant, the abundant grace that our Lord gives to us. Could I remind you again of Luke 6 and verse 38 where Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. I don't draw up a knot when I start talking about giving. Uh, Y'all know me around here. I don't harp on that all the time. And I feel guilty because of no. Because when you're not practicing this giving kind of, of life as a Christian, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself of God's blessing. And I don't mean necessarily that God's going to make you rich just because you're being honest with him. The bank doesn't uh, make you rich just because you're paying your debts. Not at all. You may have borrowed $100, and they're not going to give you 1000 because you paid back the 100 you already owe them. Oh, it's getting quiet around here, and y'all getting real, real silent. All right, watch what I'm saying. I'm simply telling you, the Lord's saying, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Full measure, pressed down, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. 
I know I hesitate to talk about uh, some of those truths because of all these fakes and the hypocrites that get on television and tell you, tell you, if you'll send an offering in, God's going to pay all your debts off and going to make you rich and you'll be driving a Rolls Royce. Uh, I, listen, I don't, I don't understand why that bunch don't do it in, in, by sending me a dollar every once in a while. You know, maybe God an honor, uh, they're sending it in. But anyway, that's beside my point, really. What I want you to see then is there is abundant grace, and God makes it possible for us to give. There was a time when you couldn't give. And yet God has blessed us in his grace that we can give and we can be good and faithful and, and trustworthy stewards of that that God's placed in our hands. Now let me move on. Now you can start breathing normal. Let me give you another fact of this abundance. Not only abundant grace, but the Bible talks about abundant mercy. Abundant mercy. Looking to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, you'll remember this verse, I'm sure. As Paul talks about how our salvation is made, is made possible. In chapter 3 of the book of Titus, uh, he says something like this. And I think I've written down the wrong, no, Titus chapter 1, pardon me. Titus chapter 1 and... Uh, uh, I'll get you. I'll get you here in a minute. Sometimes I can't even read my own uh, writing. And uh, all right, let me see what I'm thinking about. Yeah, three and verse five. Chapter three and verse five. Had it right to start with. He's talking about verse four. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You know, as I searched through the Bible this afternoon and looked at this thought of more than enough and the word abundant, I have just literally been overwhelmed to find so many times the Holy Spirit chooses this word abundant. Now I believe if God our Father gives abundantly His grace, His mercy, I think he would delight in seeing his children take on that aspect of his nature. That we too are abundant. You know, some of us, we just, we just go to church enough to get by. Uh, we uh, sing just enough to get by. Uh, we uh, pray just enough to get by. We read the Bible just enough so we can get by at least a, a, a conscience, a pricking conscience. But the Lord's nature is a nature that reveals abundance. While I'm on that thought, look in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Here, Peter talks about this abundance. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according, and here's what I'm talking about, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See the term abundant mercy? Oh, how abundant his mercy is. How overflowing is his mercy. When literally we ought to have been condemned and consigned to eternal destruction. Yet our Lord shows an overwhelming, superabounding mercy. And then not only do we have abundant grace and abundant mercy, but as you would suppose and know, we have an abundant love. Oh, how he loved us. Expressed in the words of John 3.16, God so loved. I said the other Sunday when I spoke to you on that diamond of deity, John 3.16, the Lord could have said and we could have rejoiced in it for God loved the world. But instead he said he so loved the world. That's abundant love. And Paul talks about that abundant love in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And he says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Paul said, I just had to write you because my love for you is overflowing. It's a superabounding love. Don't you, don't you rejoice in that kind of love even among your Christian brothers and sisters? Don't you rejoice in that kind of love expressed between husband and wife and children and parent? Uh, you know, uh, you ever say to some of them, I sure do love you, but you get that, you know, and you hardly understand what's going on. No, listen, I like for it to be abundant, don't you? I mean, just overflowing. Don't bite your tongue. Just let them know. It might scare your wife half to death if some of you fellas do that, but uh, it'll do you good and her too after she revives. The story then is we have an abundant love. The Lord didn't just simply say, I love you. He did something about it, didn't he? God didn't simply say, I love you. But he did something about it. And he showed us that love by giving his only begotten son. And then we have in the scripture the fact of an abundant supply. I've talked about that just in the introduction, how our Lord gives more than we need, takes care of it. And yet he has promised that he'll supply our need according to his riches and glory. He promised that. You can bank on that. But oh, isn't it wonderful when he just gives more of the supply that you need? And Paul knows about it. In uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Let me ask you a look at this. Ephesians 1 and verse number 3. We're talking about abundant supply. And he says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us 
with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know what? The Lord could have just given us a few things, but he blessed us with all spiritual blessings. In other words, everything you'll ever need in your life spiritually. And I believe we could add as well, whatever your need may be, the Lord has abundant supply. He never runs out. I remember growing up in the latter days of the Depression and uh, sometimes come home from school and Mom would be able to have some cornmeal mush. How many of y'all know what cornmeal mush is? You know what that is? That's just cornmeal poured in some boiling hot water. You stir it up and uh, get it out of the pot Put a big slab of calcium butter on the top. Salt and pepper it. And buddy, you talk about a filler. That's a filler. But you know, sometimes yeah, sometimes I'd come home and uh, mama didn't have anything. She'd say, now you just have to wait. As uh, soon as daddy gets home and another couple of days, we'll go up to Clayton and we'll get whatever we need. And so... Uh, the thing is, Mama's cupboard was bare sometimes. But our Lord's cupboard is never bare. Whatever you have need of, you can go. And listen, let me tell you this. You never can ask Him for too much. Uh, don't feel embarrassed when you're asking God for something uh, and you think He's going to run out. Oh, no. God doesn't run a comp- uh, His business like Sears Roebuck or J.C. Penney. You can order from them sometime. They'll send back and say, we're out. We're out of this item. And uh, so the Lord has an abundant supply. Not only that, but Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 7, talks about an abundant pardon that he provides to forgive us. I want you to mark this verse if you don't have it already in your Bible. Uh, marked, or if you have not committed it to memory, it'd be a wonderful verse to commit to your memory. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, the scripture says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He just goes overboard, and he frees us and forgives us that abundant forgiveness, abundant pardon that our Lord has made possible more than enough. He not only pardons us, but listen, he wipes the record and the slate clean. He doesn't even remember our mischief anymore. Uh, I like that old song some I used to hear, some old uh, uh, gospel singing quartets would sing. And they used to sing the song and said, What sins are you talking about? In other words, how Satan comes and accuses us before the Father, and the Father just simply says, what sins are you talking about? Well, you know what old Burl did down there. Oh, what sins are you talking about? 
All of them are forgiven. All of them are wiped off. Not only did I forgive him, pardon him, but I wiped the slate clean and never bring up anything against him. Not only that, but we have, according to Psalm 36, we have an abundant satisfaction. Psalm 36, what a precious verse this is. Psalm 36 and verse number 7 and 8. And it reads like this, Psalm 36. Watch these wonderful words. Psalm 36, verse 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. I am more than satisfied with Jesus. I'm more than satisfied to be known as one of God's children. I'm more than satisfied to know that heaven is my home when the Lord rings my number and I clock out and check out of this old world. Abundant satisfaction. Nothing else can do that. The world may satisfy for a moment, The pleasures of sin may for a moment satisfy and quench a momentary thirst, but these pleasures of sin are but for a season. But the satisfaction that God gives is an overabundant, a superabounding satisfaction that the world simply cannot understand. The world don't understand you come to church and you read out of an old book that doesn't have any pictures in it. Preacher gets up and hollers and foams at the mouth and bounds the pulpit. Tells you how low down mean you are. world don't understand that. Especially they don't understand when they find out you pay them to do that. I mean, they don't understand that. And yet the whole story is what abundant satisfaction we have as children of God. Ah, we sung an old song and when I was a boy. I am satisfied. I am satisfied. But the question comes to me, is he satisfied with me? I'm satisfied with him. And I want him to be satisfied with me. And then not only do we have an abundant satisfaction, but according to Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, we have an over abounding, abundant peace. Jesus said, you remember, my peace I give to you, not as the world give I unto you. My peace, he said. Boy, what peace he had. I was talking this morning in the Sun Tzu class again about the disciples being out on that, that on the board of the ship and the storm came up. And I talked to him and I hear when he came across the, the waters and there on the shores of, Gada- of the country of the Gadarenes, that old maniac, demon-possessed fellow came running down, screaming out. And I can imagine in my own mind, I, I, I guess if I were one of the disciples, I would have done it. I'd have run and hid somewhere. I'd have jumped behind a rock or found me a tree that I could climb. But Jesus, oh no, not him. 
He had perfect peace. He knew how to handle the situation. And that's reading. He doesn't get upset when you and I are upset. He just knows how to handle it. He knows all things are under control. And so over in the book of Philippians, let me read this before I go on. Philippians chapter 4 and at verse 6 and 7. And Paul writes this and says so wonderfully, Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing. Don't be worried, he said. I've got this thing under control. I know what I'm doing. You just trust me. Just trust me. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through with my husband or my wife. or I, You don't understand, Lord, what I'm suffering with about my children and, and, and the thing. He said, be careful for nothing. Don't be worried about it. He said, be careful for nothing. But he said, in everything, by prayer and supplication, hey, along with what? Thanksgiving. Along with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, get this, which passeth all understanding, that's that abundance again, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's that abundant peace that he can give. Oh, we, we, we want the Lord to handle it, but it's hard for us to take our hands off it. We're somehow deep inside afraid the Lord don't know how to handle this situation. This is so unusual to him. I wonder if God really knows how to take care of this situation. I want to assure you tonight, he does. He does. And he will. And he is. Abundant peace. But not only that, but we have abundant joy. Abundant joy. A joy... A happiness that the world knows nothing about. And it's strange that a born-again believer can have more joy at a funeral than the world can have at a big wild party. How is that? Oh, sure, we grieve over loved ones. But yet in spite of the grief, there's such a joy down inside. Why? We know we're going to meet them again. We know that... uh, uh, sorrow and weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And there is a deep, settled joy, knowing that the Lord is in control, knowing that he's handling the situation. And thus Paul would say these words in Philippians 1 and verse 26, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul is saying, hey, I want your joy to just be overall, just overflowing. I like that. Somebody said, when the cup runs over, the saucer always gets a blessing. And I like that. When the joy of the Lord's in your heart and just runs over, it's super abounding. All the folks around you get a blessing. Now, if you come around with a long, sad sack face, negative about everything, complaining and growling, uh, listen, that, uh, there's nothing overflowing there. Nothing but grief to your friends and your family. But all the abundant, overflowing joy. I've about got Pat trained. When she burns the beans, 
instead of really just being tore up when she <laughs> when I come in and the beans are burnt. She'll say, oh, they burnt the beans. And I'd say, praise God. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. And then she, I have to run. But uh, uh, that's what I want to do. Give him thanks always for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me close with one other thought. That is, the Bible reveals that we have abundant power. God has provided more than enough power to overcome, to be victorious, to take hold of the things that are leading us astray, habits in life, bad choices that have been made. That abundant power is given us to energize us. You see, oftentimes I hear people saying, Lord, take this away from me, take this away. And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do it, but I'll give you power to say no to it. I'll give you energy. I'll give you the strength to say away with it. So oftentimes we just like sit back and let the Lord like some a heavenly surgeon just reached down and rip all these old bad habits and bad attitudes out. And the Lord said, no, I've given you an inward power. I've given you the very power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture said, and they ate as much as they would. God's power is superabounding. How much are you drawing on that? To become what you ought to become. To do what you ought to do. Are you still just, I mean, you're still running on that little, uh, that little pike uh, uh, jar of energy of the flesh? Are you letting God just open up the floodgates of heaven and give the strength and the power that you need to be the husband you ought to be? To be the wife that you ought to be and want to be? to be the child, the son, or the daughter that you really want to be down inside. And I know you want to be if you're really born again. And yet God's enabled you by Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, And you shall receive after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. The Holy Spirit's power is there. But are you unlike those at that great miracle? Are you unlike them who ate it all they could? Listen, I don't know about you. But I want to I wanna know and I want to experience all that God's provided for me. Do you? Man, I don't want to just be some old mediocre kind of Christian. I want to draw on all that super abundant thing. The grace, the mercy, the love, the joy, the peace, the strength, the power, the, the sufficiency. I want to draw on that that God has provided for me. And it can be yours, it can be mine, as we draw on it in faith, believing God, rejoicing in the fact that God's provided for us. More than enough, I'm grateful. I get kind of happy down inside about it.